This is a completely unrehearsed presentation which we invite you to listen into for a few minutes. Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and on this episode of the True Tunes Podcast, we are once again joined by one of my true heroes, Mr. Terry Scott Taylor, for the second part of this two-part conversation. On this installment, we will dive into his new solo project, a sweeping 21-song masterwork entitled This Beautiful Mystery. If you missed part one, you'll want to make sure to find it and hear about Terry's musical and spiritual history and the perspective he has earned along the way. His work with Daniel Amos, The Swirling Eddies, The Lost Dogs, and as a solo artist and as a producer of others' work may have landed him somewhere on the shelf next to a Daniel Lanois, Jeff Lynne, or T-Bone Burnett if he had not found himself as a somewhat unwelcomed guest of the contemporary Christian music world first. Nearly 50 years into his journey as a Christ-haunted artist, however, he is crafting the best work of his important, if not traditionally successful, career. set the stage as best we could on part one, now it's time to go deeper into this beautiful mystery. But first, let's take care of a little bit of housekeeping. I'm actually hitting the road with the True Tunes Live Tour. The first few live events are in the books. Thank you so much to the hosts and to the folks who have come out. You can follow all of the action at truetunes.com slash events. And if you would be interested in having me come speak in your neck of the woods, drop me a line at jjt at truetunes.com and let me know. We are collecting contact info and ideas for tour dates. These things can range from large scale onstage talks to conversations in living rooms around a record player. If that sounds good to you, let me know. One way you can support this show is by checking out our brand new merch store at Threadless. Just head to truetunes.threadless.com to find all kinds of cool t-shirts, sweatshirts, masks, coffee cups, posters, notebooks, including two brand new rainbow designs. When you order through this Threadless store, they make the products and ship them directly to you. We still also have some of the original TrueTunes shirts and our famous swag packs, including buttons, guitar picks, stickers, and patches, which you can order at truetunes.com. So, get yourself some cool stuff and put some gas in our virtual tank at the same time. Thanks. I am hungry for it, crying out. 
for putting so much into this album oh my goodness <laughs> this is crazy I'm telling, it's yeah. like a, you know it's, it's tough to get people to stay still and listen to a complete work like that uh, we got a little older audience you know fans so the, they're used to sort of more absorbing more uh, so I'm hoping that they'll sit back and let it uh, work its magic did you know from the outset that it was going to be a double long album it was gonna be 21 songs it was did you have a, a creative vision going into it or did it just kind of start and sprawl out in front of you what, uh, tell me about the, the sort of yeah chrysalis yeah. evolution of this thing well it started with patreon right. um and um i have a patreon site and uh, you are a member of it love which it i appreciate and uh it was a chance to not only um, do reinterpretations of old, old songs, uh, recognizable songs, but to create new ones. And uh, it served two purposes. One was to give the members, Patreon members, uh, new stuff, and also uh, to create little uh, demos for possibility of a solo record or. or even song, songs that might go well, uh, that might work out well for like the Lost Dogs or something like that. I happen to be what they call prolific. I, I, I'm, I'm someone who just loves to write. And so that was a, just a perfect sort of format for that. And I was able to just uh, demo up a lot of, a lot of songs. I didn't go into this project, into this beautiful mystery, thinking I'm going to do a lot of songs. I thought, well, I'll, I've got three, maybe even four albums out of this material that I've written. There's a lot of songs here. But I think what happens, what happened, um, and what happens is that uh, the sense of one's own mortality, where you uh, realize there's certain things in your life that you will never do again and certain doors that are not open to you now that you uh, you know that that you are the age that you are and you think of of everything you do at this point in time is will this be perhaps the last time I will do this thing take this trip or see this friend across the country or whatever it might be Will this be the last time? You just can't help but think, and it's not. And again, I I don't want to I don't want to sound like it's some obsession, some morbid obsession, but there's just something that goes through your head. And I think I that occurred to me at some point with the with the material that I was doing. I was thinking, 
this could be the last one. The last one could have been the last one. I don't know. But I'm getting closer to that point where I need to sort of consider those things. And I'm also thinking about my family and my the legacy that I leave for my granddaughters and all of it. And, and I thought, I think I'll do, I think what I want to do is a big record. I think what, I want to put it all out there. And uh, I started to try, try and narrow stuff down. And I, I mean, I got to 40 and I went, I, I don't want to lose any of these songs. Wow. You know, and uh, I finally got them down to 21, 22 songs. I don't know. But um, so if I had known that COVID was going to happen, mm -hmm. I would have gone with 11 or 12 because then what happened was and I'm a stickler for deadlines I love deadlines I I rejoice in them good ca good good catalyst good kick in the rear end to get you where you need to, to be and I and I love them so to have this thing go over two years was killing me we there wasn't a day hardly a day that went by that we weren't working on this record in some form or another. And what happens is it, it's, it's this way. When you're doing a record in the ordinary way and you're going into a studio and you hear the guitars a little bit loud in the bridge or that vocal needs to, background vocal needs to, you need to duck that a little bit, it's done in a, in a second. You tell the engineer, or you do it yourself, or whatever, and you're you're flying. What happens when when COVID hits? You got locked down. You can't go to work with anybody. Well, you're you're at that point sending files. You've got we had three uh, guys mixing this record, and so you at that point you give them some instructions. You send them what you're you what you're, you're kind of hearing in your own head. They follow it, you get it back. Rob and I, Rob Watson, who's my co-producer, we listen to it. Then we have a conference and he goes, well, I didn't like how that part in the first verse was mixed. And I, and I go, well, I didn't really have a problem with that. It was you know, towards the end and then they're in the middle. And so then we, ha we have to kind of conference and, and come up with what we're gonna send to the engineer. And then we send it to the engineer. He does our little things, but we don't even know if what we think ought to be done is going to sound the best. Right. Right. Which you would if you were or sitting there and you just do it. it and when I was go, there. Yeah, right. Or he uh, still misses something or he doesn't quite, we can't quite articulate what we're talking. When you're talking about like two notes somewhere, right. you know. They're bound to miss. So it's this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's 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 nuts. It'll drive you crazy. But that's what we had to do. That's the only way we could do it. A great good is coming to you too big for this world to hold. We all know where the saying is leading. The still are dying breath of flesh gone cold. We need to know a great good is coming. Go on the 
this messy, struggling existence Put on the garments made of everlasting light Slip past our fears, our sorrows, and your own resistance And those dashed and broken expectations There is a well done for you in the end Well, it is quite a piece of work. To me, I, I've been listening to it intently for a while now and I feel like I, I, I kind of imagine I must be experiencing something like what Beatles fans must have felt like when they got the White Album and tried to digest that I can see what you mean by go, every single song on this thing has got a, a, a critical ingredient to the whole um, maybe I'll throw a theory out there and you tell me if I'm close to kind of how okay. this is organized and then uh, we can we can talk about some songs it seems to me that the general tone, or at least how I'm receiving it here, is encouragement. That, that there's a there's a tone of encouragement to people who are fearful, people who are facing uncertainty, uh, darkness. Uh, that there's a real gentle tone of encouragement, but that the the punchline is there's hope coming. But in order to get to the hope, you're going to have to admit that you're in the middle of a storm. <laughs> and um, as I go through and break it down, I noticed like some different themes. There's songs about worry and the end is coming. And, you know, the, uh, but, but this, this sort of apocalypse is sometimes eschatological and sometimes it's about age and mortality. And maybe there's not a difference between those. And there's some songs that are about purpose, some songs that are about theology and worship, some that are directly referencing this almost like a library of the authors that have inspired you you know uh throughout the years um am i kind of am i close do, do you feel like i I'm, think you're i i think you're right on i think so, i think you hit a nail on the head i think and you, before I think we even it. jump in i remember in as a patreon backer which i would encourage everybody listening to become one you you not only did you give us six songs a month but occasionally these essays articles essays you know that you would write and one time you you sent us one and it was about a book that you had read in the 70s and i don't know i i, I love this book robert farrar and i don't know if it's capone or capon how do you pronounce his last name uh you you you're you're experiencing the same yeah uh, we all uh, do i say capone yeah i think it sounds more elegant robert farrar capone but Hunting the Divine Fox, you talked about that book, and then oh, I went yeah. and found it. And I've actually taught through that book a few times now as a result of you introducing it to me. But this idea of how we, he, he calls it an introduction to the language of theology, and he does it with great humor and um, wit. Yeah. And it's, it's a book from the 70s, and it's, other than his analogies about computers, which are hysterical in today's uh, <laughs> uh, language but but other than that i can see reading that it's almost like a, a little bit of a rosetta stone to some of how you've been writing ever since the beginning but before we get started into these songs i just thought this idea you're, you're being very careful about how we think about god because we're not going to come up with hope if if our concepts of god are dented and and our hope is coming from the wrong place. So throughout your work, there's a lot of rem reminding us to be careful how we picture 
God and the things of God, because if we're not careful, we end up with the Lamb of God as an action figure. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah, the Lord, yeah, the Lord. Right. So, in this collection of songs, was there is there a song that you feel is a like a tentpole or that that everything hangs on um, that stood out to you and go, okay, now this is the first, this is the cornerstone I'm going to build this thing on. Well, uh, uh, about five years ago, I was in uh, the Bay Area and um, I was writing Patreon songs and I got this idea when I started thinking along the lines of doing a solo project. I had this idea. I've, 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 I've gone down the literary path in the past, but I thought I'm really, I think I'm, what I'm really going to do is really concentrate on that idea. And, and it came to me the possibility of introducing authors, the characters in their books, uh, fictional, non-fictional, and really try and explore all of that. And I felt that will be the core of this, of the re- whatever record I'm, I'm, solo record I'm going to do. That will be the core. And um, I'll tell you something personal, John, in this you know how people, you know, we, we all make the joke about, uh, you know, somebody says, God gave me this song, and and the reply is, maybe you ought to give it back, kind of deal. <laughs> he didn't want it. <laughs> he didn't want it. Uh, and people toss around inspiration a lot, or God gave me this song, or God inspired this song, and Holy Spirit, you know, gave me this song. And uh, I'm, I'm very cautious about doing that, uh, assuming that. I think there's inspiration, obviously, inspiration of my faith and, and God's Holy Spirit is at work, but um, I'm very, I, I'm just, I, I just overused, I'm very cautious. I wrote these songs in my car. I would, I would drive away from my, I, I just, for some reason I didn't want to write at home. I, um, a lot of activity going on in my house. So I would drive in a certain parking lot I'd sit in, and I thought, how am I going to approach this? I don't have a guitar with me, right? So sometimes my approach is, most of the time, my approach to songwriting is I get my guitar, I've got maybe a song title, maybe I don't, start playing around with chord structures, tr- start doing nonsense gibberish lyrics. Maybe I've got a song title and I'll work that into what the chorus is. And maybe out of this gibberish will come a few lines. Maybe I'll get a line or two and then I then I can work with that and begin to extend it and go where I go with the third verse or whatever. So that's sort of, that's my usual way of doing things. What I thought with this was, is I'm exploring all this, um, I'm exploring literature and these authors and these these uh, characters, I'm not going to be inhibited by uh, trying to come up with the melodies. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to be inhibited by, by rhyme schemes. I'm just going to let this flow. I'm just going to write it like freeform poetry of some sort. And when I began to do that, similar to my experience that I told you about being in the room, you know, when the air was sucked out and the present, I felt a presence. I really felt that I had that sort of sensation uh, right there in my little car. I was writing these songs. It was almost as if I was 
hovering above myself and looking at this guy writing this stuff and I'm I'm hovering over myself and I'm going wow that's great wow <laughs> or weeping at wow. times or going how did that happen and there was no pride in it at all it was just sort of this observation of this person that was writing this stuff I it's not automatic right it's not like right. okay God take over and right. remove my hand but there but there this when you when you it's like writing it's like writing a wave to the shore you're on it and it's flowing and it's perfect it's the perfect thing and it just these songs are pouring out we'll be right back with more from Terry Scott Taylor after this <laughs> I would like to thank our new Patreon supporters for helping us make this show possible. Our patrons get early access to higher quality audio files of each episode that they can download. We also do some Zoom meetups and more. If you'd like to support this show by joining our Patreon circle, you can find the link on the show notes page or just go to patreon.com slash truetunes and check it out. Okay, back to the interview suite with Terry Scott Taylor. give you an example of confirmation of my sense of of uh, inspiration god inspiration i wrote a song called ave ava and it was a song it's a song of my granddaughter ava and uh, i wanted to write a song that she would have for the entirety of her life to be able to, after i'm gone to look back and and know that i wrote this for her and I want to talk a little bit about my death without it being morbid or causing her any fear. Mm-hmm. But to say life goes on and that I'm with you and that uh, part of me you can find in the books that I love. And if you read these books, then you'll find me there as well. And. Uh, I had the title right away, Ave Eva, and I wrote, this is not goodbye, life still goes on, the book is open and the curtains drawn, on the dance of spheres and the love, in love's review, and the choir of creation sings a song to you, Ave Eva, if I should trip and fall down a rabbit hole, an obvious reference to Lewis Carroll, we might meet again by the lamppost in the snow, lying the witch in the wardrobe, or if I go missing in a mystery, 
things may not be all that they appear to be. You'll find clues in a book called The Golden Key, George MacDonald's Golden Key, there at the end of the rainbow. Or my dear, if you hear I was never found lost at sea when my old battered ship went down, reference to my body. Remember Water Babies, which is another classic children's book, like you and me can never ever drown. Ring the bells, all will be well. Ring the bells, Ave, Ava. Now the interesting thing about that, and this is one of those moments where this is just flowing in, in just this um, incredible, um, incredible way. Uh, when my uh, daughter and my son-in-law told us that they were going to name their daughter Ava, I went, I thought of Ava Gardner, you know, I thought A-V-A. And they go, no, it's going to be E-V-A. And uh, my wife and I secretly went, oh, no, they're going to do it with an E. And she's going to have to spell it every time, and, and people are going to say uh, Eva. And she's just going to have to do this all her life, you know. Oh, well, you know, we'll live with it. That's okay. So I write the song, and for the first time, I, and I don't know why this escaped me, Ave Eva. Yeah. It's a palindrome. Yeah. So, and uh, it wouldn't have been right. if they had named her AVA. Yeah. So this is just a, and, and I, could, I could give you 10 or 12, 11, 12 things like this, these little these little nudges and confirmations of, right. um, you know, the thing that I that that I hate to bring it down to because it's not metaphor, but well, I guess in some ways it is. Well, God's hand, God's hand in the deal, you know. Right, and that song stood out to me also because I know that it's literally about your granddaughter, but that McDonald reference to the Golden Key in that story, there's a grandmother. <laughs> Or at least a woman who says that her name is grandmother, you know, who's who's right. talking to the kid and gives her the golden key. Then there's all this crazy stuff with the fish and the kettle and the, and then it flies out and you have to drink the, you know, it's all that stuff. But yeah. but there's that moment where in order for for her to get the answer, she has to jump into that hole, that dark hole, and go straight down into the dark. And that's where she finds the old man of the sea and all that stuff. And and I just thought in this song you are you're kind of taking on the role of that grandmother character. You're you're saying here's your journey. This is what you're going to need, and this is what you're gonna you're gonna go through. But when you get to right. that hole, you've got to dive in. Like you gotta dive in. It, that's the only place the answers are. Which is the exact thing you've been that grandmother for us for so long you've been taking us to the edge of that hole and saying don't be afraid of diving into the dark hole <laughs> like there's all there is yeah. answers yeah. down there <laughs> it's, it's yeah. nothing so i yeah. love that Mouse and crew were bound, welcome you. 
There's like a library shelf in the middle of this album. You've got yeah. you've got Flannery O'Connor. You've got Chesterton. Uh, I love the song about the character uh, that um, uh, C. August Dupin, um, Dupin, or however you pronounce it, but it's Dupin because his name is literally you know the, the same root word as duped, like we've been tricked, and it's the character that Edgar Allan Poe invented before detectives were even a thing before the word detective had even been invented edgar Allan poe created this character to solve mysteries just we don't even know why like what motivated him to solve these mysteries and he told i think it was three or maybe four of these stories with this character in it and from what i recall each one he he did it for a different reason sometimes it was just self-serving sometimes it was to help somebody you know sometimes it was for money and i and i thought whoa who else would write a, a song about the original detective who, who we don't even know why he's solving these mysteries on an album called This Beautiful Mystery? I just was like, of course, Terry's <laughs> going to put a song about Dupin in here. And tell me about how literature and these authors play into this album in particular and why you wanted to lean into them so much but then just you as a songwriter in general how literature has helped form your imagination so that you can be the songwriter that you are i think this the bottom line is uh, truth is truth and so you find that truth not just in one book in the bible uh obviously the bible uh points to specific truths about we, w- we wouldn't know about Christ if it weren't for the uh, New Testament and so forth and so on. But I think it's possible to, um, God speaks through many mediums. So uh, the, great, the great writers have often brought me to tears or enlightened me in, in some respect in, in such a way that it has a direct bearing on my faith, my faith walk. They don't have to be uh, theologians. They don't have to even be Christians. I've often said that, uh, this is a different example, this is outside of literature, but I've often said Sinatra singing uh, Moonlight in Vermont 
is a religious experience. And I mean that. I, I mean that there's something moving there that is transcendent, that is, uh, that points me to Christ. One of the, the first time that I ever discovered that or had that sense of things when the light turned on for me was in a little um, art house theater in San Jose, California. And I went to see my dinner with Andre. And um, two characters, that's all the film is for about an hour and a half or so. Two characters in a restaurant having a conversation. That was it. Interrupted a little bit by some weird waiter, you know, for comic relief. And they talked about life. They, they talked about, you know, one character talks about sort of the pragmatics of life and that sort of the other person, the other person has gone on sort of a spiritual journey, similar to the one that I went back when I was a kid, sort of went exploring, trying to find meaning to life and how these two uh, points of view uh, sort of can be merged together or whether they just repel each other or whatever it is. And it's not specifically about religion, although there's some religious references, spirituality and that sort of thing. And I was with Daniel Amos at the time. We were playing up in that area. So the film ended and we went outside the theater and I was weeping. And the guy stood around me and said, what's going on? I said, God spoke through that film. And it was a revelation to me that is not confined to a book, but he speaks, if we have ears to hear, he speaks um, through all of life and, um, and, and all mediums. And so I have, I've had some, uh, the, fir the first time, the first, I think, Christian book I ever read was uh, the Narnia Chronicles. I think that was the first fictional book that I ever read. Of course, that just uh, baptized my imagination.
when you use that term baptize my imagination and that's the exact phrase that lewis used when he talked about chesterton's everlasting man that that everlasting man is the book that baptized his imagination no he said it was everlasting man that baptized his intellect and it was MacDonald that oh, baptized MacDonald. his imagination. That's right. That's and so right. Lewis, when he was on his journey, needed both to happen. He needed, because he had already studied the scriptures, he had already seen the story, he loved the myth of the dying and rising God. Like he had he'd already yeah. explored all that. But he needed Chesterton to baptize his intellect, and he needed MacDonald to baptize his imagination. And when that happened, it helped wisdom and understanding to come to him and that for me has been so formative to see old books and new books and literature and paintings and film and music if we engage it the right way it's there to help baptize our imagination and our understanding there's sometimes that we need a better actual literal understanding of facts and history and things that have happened and um, because we've got distorted stories that we've heard but then other times it's just this imagination and i love that and you, you have- and, and you know you know uh you, you remember tolkien was was instrumental in getting lewis to uh understand he he, he rejected christianity because he said these myths uh, of the dying god and so forth and so on were what kept him from because because there were there were these myths and the, the the christ dying on the cross was another just another one of these myths right. and tolkien was able to explain to him how god and that gets back to what we've been talking about how god has been breathing down through history uh about his truth and about what eventually uh jesus uh became which was the, what i think lewis uh, termed a true myth right was that kind of in mind with your song, The Real Dream? Were you kind of thinking of that true myth? Is that sort of in there? Yeah, exa- yeah that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah. We
More with Terry Scott Taylor right after this. It is harder than ever for us to stay connected. There's so much noise out there that it can be impossible to lock in on the signals we really want to hear. When it comes to the True Tunes conversation, there are a few things you can do that will really help us stay connected with you. First, sign up on our email list. It really is important to know that we can communicate directly with you without having to pay a middleman, like Facebook, for you to see what we post. Second, make sure to watch for the confirmation email and confirm it. Then add us to your contacts so our messages don't get caught in your spam filters. Next, find us on Facebook at TrueTunesNow and like us there. Find us on Instagram at TrueTunesMusic and follow us there. And you can follow me on Twitter at John J. Thompson. Thanks. We're back in the interview suite with Terry Scott Taylor and his new album, This Beautiful Mystery, is still spinning. So this literary suite is kind of contained within this album. This is sort of the bookshelf of the album. Lewis, Tolkien, Poe, Flannery O'Connor, a beautiful song about Flannery O'Connor, right kind of set in the middle of the the record. You've got these eschatological, tell me about these eschatological songs, these songs like The End Is Coming, The End Is Here, songs like uh, In Our Waning Days. Um, high-tech tribulation force which totally reminds me of like a, a, a daniel amos song from doppelganger or something like that it's, it's a little definitely tongue-in-cheek um worried waters these are the last days deep calling you know there's songs that are saying yeah you know what we're all worried we're all troubled things are not right well first of all let me say tribulation force uh, it was the one song i was reluctant to put on the record because i thought oh but it would be horrifying if anybody took this seriously <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's a risk anybody yeah, at this point in your well, career. Well, especially my fans, I could I could right, easily yeah. put that aside and go. I know they'll get it, so I don't have to worry about it. But um, to answer your question, why these sort of end time? You know, I grew up in the, the whole Calvary Chapel culture, which was much of it based on 
the idea that any day now Christ is going to return. And there were people that were, it was faddish, you know, in the sense that there were people that were um, getting all up in arms over the Procter and Gamble insignia saying that it had, you know, references to the Antichrist in it and everybody, you know, and as a young Christian, that was very exciting for me. Well, that's what Shotgun Angel, you had the whole suite that was all about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So you Uh, contributed to that, man. I did. (laughs) You're part of it. Hook, line, and sinker. I was a big Hal Lindsey. I I actually, I was going to say, I actually witnessed to a guy using that one time. You know, you know what's going to happen, you know, that deal. And then uh, I went through the whole uh, uh, Henry Kissinger is the Antichrist face that that was big that was big for a while obviously um we could discuss my theology at this point about the end time stuff uh but um i've obviously mellowed over the years and my grandparents thought jesus would come back in their lifetime i think every generation has thought that and we're a generation of Christians. We're the last ones. We're, and I think part of it comes out of fear of death and um, the idea of we're saved, we're born again, we're going to heaven, we're never going to see death, Jesus is going to come back. And, well, I've, now that I'm 71 years old, uh, 72 in May, the likelihood of, I don't know when Jesus is going to come back, Jesus didn't know when he was going to come back. So when I say in the song, these are the last days, I don't mean it in the sense that my grandmother used to go, oh, these are the last days. These are the, you know, you read something in the, you know, news or whatever, see something on TV. We're living in the last days, Terry. We're living in the last days. No, we are living in the last days. Our our lifespan is a is a, it's a drop in the bucket. Right. We are right. in our last days, and right. I would love Christ to return in my lifetime. I think that uh, before that happens, I'll probably uh, move on, shed my mortal coil, and move on. And that's what I want to talk to people about. Yeah, you know, prepare them a little bit. Tell them this is what I'm. This is what I'm experiencing at this age, and this is these are my thoughts of mortality, my thoughts of the mystery that lies beyond the dark gate. What what is it? What is it? What does one experience? You know, you you hear well, we'll we'll be we'll be face to face with Jesus, or what is what does this mean? Where is it? What, you know, what will be our sensation? Mm-hmm. Will we, what will we look like? Or, you know, we, we know that we go to paradise and then there's a new heaven and a new earth and there's all this stuff, that's, this mysterious stuff that's going to happen after, after death. I'm facing it right now. I'm facing the reality of that. I've, I've got health issues and things like that. Uh, old age, aches and pains, all of it going on. If I'm comforted in any way, um, if the scripture comforts, Psalms are comforting me right now. I'm reading the Psalms. I'm comforted by the fact that there are people that have gone before me that have faced this. 
my dad, my mom, Tim Chandler, you know, the list goes on and on and on. They, they're experiencing whatever it is right now. And that is, blows your mind, right? It's, right. Uh, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. And so this is just, uh, uh, my songwriting is a little preparation for that. And, and, and to remind people that life is short. These are the last days for you and for me. took a lot of comfort from these songs as well in that and i grew up in the anglican episcopal tradition where we kind of had slightly different teachings about things like jesus coming not that he's not coming to set everything right that that's definitely going to happen but there's also this belief that every time we do something on behalf of jesus every time we love our neighbor Jesus comes, you know, every time we have communion with each other and welcome somebody to the table, Jesus comes. And that when we're seeking peace in the midst of those storms and Jesus is asleep in the boat, you know, we have to first sometimes recognize our fear before we can say, hey, what are you going to do about this? And Jesus comes, you know, when we admit that we're afraid. And and we have a lot of fear right now. Yeah. It's tremendous amount of fear. Right. desire for just self-preservation and uh, we need Jesus to come in all these ways that you're talking about yeah. no doubt no doubt about it and you get into these songs here um, that I think are worship songs they're theology songs there's several of these um, the title track this beautiful mystery uh, the very one I love under the mercy oh my goodness um, the meek which I just <laughs> Talk about a gut punch. You know, who is it? When Jesus comes back, I love that old bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming back, look busy. Uh, you know, but, but, <laughs> but you know, um, um, so tell me about these, this kind of set of songs, the, these theology songs, worship songs. Um, it seems to me that you're being a little, a little bit more obvious about your spirituality than sometimes you have been. I think part of this is sort of a Job aspect to it where these things are beyond your understanding you know that kind of that kind of approach where were you when the world was formed when the planets spun stars were born 
how can your finite mind even begin to grasp this this mystery? And you, then I have a bit of mythology brought into it to kind of give it a, 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 a kind of transcendent uh, glow um, where I go um, Jehovah riding on the storm. And I, I, I thought after I wrote that, I said, should I have used Jehovah? You know, I thought, no, it's a, it's a beautiful, it seemed right, you know. Um, a cloak of darkness and light adorned this beautiful mystery. Dark and light, uh, not safe, as uh, Lewis said about Aslan. To be uh, humbled by the vastness of uh, God's love, his attributes, his power, all of these things. And I, I just wanted to bring something of that, the awesomeness, and also uh, the idea that um, in our culture today, there's a lot of people that apparently know it all. <laughs> that army grows bigger and bigger every day. And uh, so this is sort of in some ways an answer to that. Oh, no, you can't even begin to know. Right. There's, there, there are deep, unexplored places here. And uh, to assume uh, that you do know it all and you're going to set everybody else straight, which I see a lot on Facebook, by the way. Um, <laughs> right. We're all tempted, right? Jump in it jump into that that goes back to the meek thing uh and so um yeah i just wanted wanted to give that sense of uh no there's there there are mysteries beyond you and you'll never grasp uh the awesomeness i guess of of the creator holy ground tongues of fire tameless breath I appreciate you. I, I want to thank you because your music has helped cultivate discernment in me. And I'm listening to these songs going, well, here's 21 more Terry Scott Taylor songs mm -hmm. that are helping me. And I love that you specifically tip your hat to the authors the, of great literature that helped you become a discerner so that you weren't just spoon feeding more tripe 
little simplicities to people, but you were able to go to the deep end because of the Flannery O'Connors, because of the William Blakes, because of the absolutely, C.S. because of the Chestertons. And if more of us in this ragtag body of Christ, this damaged, scarred, bleeding, bloody, bruised <laughs> body of Christ, <laughs> were were taking advantage of that art, I think we would we would have more empathy, more teachability, more humility, and we would probably be doing a better job of loving our neighbors as a result. So I thank you for for this. It is a gift. And um, I can't wait to hear what's next because I'm pretty confident you're not. I'm I'm hoping. Is is there any chance of a a Lost Dogs thing next on the horizon? Did I hear you mention something about some songs from the Patreon thing that are are maybe earmarked for that? Well, I I will be honest with you. When I I finished this record, I was a little bit um, in that... uh, that little time you go through, a little post-depression about, oh, I've, I've completed this and now now what? Mm-hmm. And there are big questions in my life right now. Right. Huge questions. And part of them uh, is, my time is valuable, obvious. Obviously, the time that I have, I've got to make the best use of. And that means a lot of decisions. And there, and there are a lot of expectations by other people that want you to do things or be involved with something or whatever. And um, so I have to sort of set aside people's expectations for me and figure out my own expectations and what I know I can handle and what I need to kind of set aside. So I'm going. Th- I'm I'm in a transitional period right now. One of them is being: Am I going to ever tour again? I'm really asking that question. Right. Part of it is because um, my anchor right now is my family, and uh, being away from them with my health issues, another factor in all of this, um, is something that uh, at this point in time I'm not ready to do. But I continue to keep the door open. Or maybe uh, play in some form, like a podcast situation where we, we'd have other people playing and we would do a thing. I don't know. I, I, at this point, I don't know. I don't know if it's Lost Dogs that we're going to do the next record. I don't. I, I know that we'll probably do a record, but how we do it, are we going to get together in a studio all together? Are we going to do the sending files back and forth? But, mm, I don't really want to do that, but... If we have to, we have to. I don't know. I don't know. Right. What's going to happen with COVID? What, you know, where are we going right. here? Right. Um, so all all those are all of those are factors. Um, I I would love to play this stuff for this solo record. I would love to play it live somewhere. Right now, I don't need to. You know, I I don't need to tour to pay the rent, which is good. So mm-hmm. I, I do have some choices in that regard. Um, and that's a whole other story about uh, God's providence and all of it. But uh, so I'm really at a, at a crossroads. And I've got a lot of material that I, that I uh, uh, really, really want to record. But I'm, I haven't fulfilled this obligation yet. I haven't got the stuff out to all these Kickstarter people who have been so generous right. and gracious, you know, and, and understanding why this has happened. And I, I pro- I've probably done three or four apology videos. <laughs> but but uh, but anyway, um, so 
I really would like to do another solo record. Uh, possibility of doing a Daniel Amos record? There's a crossroads. I've had some people tell me, some people close to me, say you can't do it without Tim. Tim's too essential to it. Hmm. You do have to think about that. So I don't know. I don't know. But it is important to me to continue to make music, and that's, uh, that's what uh, I will continue to do, Lord willing. You'll dig a hole to China Set my younger days And die before you get old Go out in glory's blaze I won't be aloof like my father Rest his soul like my mother We're about too many things Roll myself up by my bootstraps Be an optimistic dancer in the As you go back and listen to this collection as uh, you know this this 21 song batch what kind of personality has emerged f- from these are, are you able to kind of identify this as a collection yet or is, has it has it gelled for you or is it, do you still think of the songs that got cut that kind of thing do, do you kind of recognize a personality to this album yet and, and if so how would you describe it what do you well, on, on, I mean, there's several things I could say about that. Uh, on a basic level, I would say this. Um, there's another layer here in regard to um, sort of coming full circle with this record. Originally, my idea was I, I'm going to get a little closer to knowledge and innocence and uh, briefing for the ascent with this record. Just kind of like, I felt that was kind of my mood. This is where I, I wanted to go. A little gentler, uh, sort of wooing kind of approach, rather than beat you over the head. Meek is a little closer to the hammer blows, but uh, or Tribulation Force or some of those. you got to have that. you got to have yeah, some of that. But right. I, so immediately when I thought about that, I th- thought about kind of returning to, the, to that path, I talked to Rob Watson, who had co-produced with me on uh, those records, and, and said, will you co-produce? And of course, Rob has done, we've worked together many times, many, many projects. Uh, nobody on the face of the earth that uh, can practically read my mind, creatively speaking, than, than Rob. And then my, the other thought occurred to me, what about Doug Doyle, who was the engineer on the project? 
the old 3D studios in Costa Mesa where we did many of our records. And uh, I had uh, sort of lost contact with Doug and uh, didn't know what he was up to. And then when I got a hold of him, I found out that um, he had cancer and uh, it didn't look good. But he didn't, uh, he felt he was going to be around for a while. And I told him about the record and I said, we, we, want it, we want the team back, you know, we want you to be the engineer. And he was just ecstatic. Mm. It was a beautiful healing moment for both of us. And um, and then a month or so later, he passed away, and we mm. never got him, never got him, got him to into the studio. So I was very sad about that. But um, I would hope that uh, you know, if I if if I decided that I want to get really edgy again, I'd be capable of it. But I'm not sure <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I uh, believe in you. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, but uh, I, th- I think my my thoughts about the entirety of the of the project are pretty simple, which is I want to immerse the listener into this world, and and what I mean by that is uh, because attention spans uh, with music nowadays are so short. Uh, I felt that for people that are up to it and want to have a complete experience, really want to go deep, um, as we used to do into an artist's work where you would buy an album and you just read the liner notes and you looked at the artwork and the photos and you read the lyrics and you played it over and over again. And it just, like I said, you were immersed in it. My hope, and it could be a futile hope, I don't know, I think with my fans, uh, people will be attentive to it, will um, really get into the experience of it and experience this world uh, that I've tried to create. And, uh, and that it will um, bring them uh, joy, it will challenge them, it will comfort them, and that it's an offering, it's a gift of grace to them. Because they are a gift of grace to me. I have this. This I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, lose it here. Um, these people, and you are among them, have um, have so uh, touched me in profound ways with the graciousness that people have, the, the encouragement that people give me, the validation. Uh, couldn't have, couldn't do what I do without it. And I don't just say those words, I truly uh, live it. And, and I think that's, I think that's at the heart of what motivated me, to give these people a gift, uh, something beautiful, Something, something beautiful. Well, mission accomplished. It you really did. And that that final song that you pronounce it, Talitha Kum, Jesus tells the young girl, "Rise and go." And you just, it's just this ultimate benediction. Like this, this deathbed is not your home. This is, right. this is not it. This isn't the end of your story. 
And there's hope. There's hope. Yeah. We have hope. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is not the end. As things close in on us, which is what's happening in our in the world, in our nation, in our cultural firestorm that's going on, Jesus said something simple was, render unto Caesars what is Caesars, unto God the things of God. That's my guiding principle right now in my life. You're yep. feeling it too, right? I think Amen. I think this is getting into the hearts of Christians everywhere. I think it's beginning to yeah. really. Because right. we found that we can't we uh, we can't hope in the culture. We can't hope in politicians. We can't hope in our man in the White House. We can't hope in capitalism. Uh, can't help in socialism. We know where our hope is, and this is driving us to our hope. This is driving us to where the rubber meets the road. This is what we supposedly have been all about, and I think we've lost our way. And uh, the Holy Spirit is breathing this back into our lives, and we're prioritizing, and we're going, what's our priority? It's always been and always will be. Love your neighbors, you love yourself, love God with all that you are.
as I pull out my little soapbox here to wrap this up, I really don't know what I could possibly add to what Terry has already said. One of the main things I've been talking about, and that's what I'm doing on this tour, is that render unto Caesar. It's discernment. Like, and our discerners are broken. And to me, music and art in general, one of the most powerful aspects of it, I think maybe one of the main reasons God gave us the ability to make and process and enjoy art is that it's like a sandbox for discernment. It's where we learn how to discern in a lot of ways because otherwise we're just figuring out which berries are poisonous and which ones aren't. And that's that's a, le- a level of discernment. But when we get into art, we're cultivating empathy. We're, we're hearing what another person's story is and then learning from that person's story. We're, we're deep calls to deep. Something in us that's resonating with something deep in somebody else, and it's pulling both of us into a story that's much deeper than either of us. And that level of discernment requires humility and teachability. And unfortunately, music is also available to just sell cheeseburgers to use as propaganda or wallpaper. So we have to decide what do we want out of our art? What do we want out of our music? Do we want it to shape us and to form us? Are we willing to invest in it and to allow ourselves to be shaped that way? Do we just want to sing along with the hits from when we were kids and stay the same and not grow? So I think I will leave you with a passage from the end of George MacDonald's Fantasties, A Fairy Romance. I will end my story with the relation of an incident which befell me a few days ago. I had been with my reapers, and, when they ceased their work at noon, I had lain down under the shadow of a great ancient beech tree that stood on the edge of a field. As I lay, with my eyes closed, I began to listen to the sound of the leaves overhead. At first, they made sweet, inarticulate music alone, but, by and by, the sound seemed to begin to take shape and to be gradually molding itself into words till, at last, I seemed able to distinguish these half-dissolved in a little ocean of circumfluent tones. A great good is coming, is coming, is coming to thee, Anodos. And so, over and over again, I fancied that the sound reminded me of the voice of the ancient woman in the cottage that was foursquare. I opened my eyes, and for a moment almost believed that I saw her face, with its many wrinkles and its young eyes, looking at me from between two hoary branches of the beech overhead. But when I looked more keenly, I saw only twigs and leaves, and the infinite sky, in tiny spots, gazing through between. Yet I know that good is coming to me, that good is always coming. Though few have at all times the simplicity and the courage to believe it, what we call evil is the only and best shape which, for the person and his condition at the time, could be assumed by the best good. And so, farewell.
That is going to do it for this episode of the True Tunes Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a minute to tell your friends and family about the show. I literally started True Tunes so I could tell the world about artists like the 77s, the choir, Mark Hurd, Res Band, Randy Stonehill, and of course, Terry Scott Taylor under all of his various hats. Of course, our mission expanded a bit over time, but it's an honor to still be doing this 30 years later. We need you to help us get the word out about this new album and this show. Spread the link, leave us ratings and reviews at Apple, and tell everyone you can about this beautiful mystery. This is a light we should not leave under a bushel. You should also make sure to check out and join Terry's Patreon group. It's been an incredible experience for me, and whether you are a longtime fan or a young songwriter looking for inspiration from a veteran, Terry's got something for you. You can also find an incredible amount of music from all of his various identities for sale through his Bandcamp site via DanielAmos.com. Somehow, we talked for over two hours and didn't even scratch the surface of something like Horrendous Disc, one of the great rock albums of all time. I want to thank my co-producer and chief enabler, Bruce A. Brown, for cutting the show together so beautifully. Bruce was in Terry's corner when I was just learning how to ride a bike. I remember the Alarma radio special he produced. Oh, how I loved that thing. And thanks to Phil Keggy and Rex Paul for our killer theme song, a revved up version of Phil's Full Circle, which could not possibly be more appropriate. You'll find a complete list of all of the songs used on this episode on the show notes page at truetunes.com. Please make sure to sign up for our email list and find us and follow us on Facebook at TrueTunesNow. The contents of the podcast are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten material. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions, and this program is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Gyroscope Productions can be reached at jjt at truetunes.com or P.O. Box 60401, Nashville, Tennessee 37206. Until next time, this is JJT inviting you to listen for that deep that calls to deep because something good is coming. I just know it. Peace. Hey, hey, kids, be one of the many boys and girls that have become official Rap Blasters. Details at the end of the program. And don't forget, members of the Rap Blaster team are special club meeting this Friday at 6.30 at the Secret Fortress. Hey, remember, I'm the electric DJ, and I'm here to rap. I'm feeling fresh and quantized. Call me at 777-KGUD. Northwestern!